you're taking your seats, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. It's a joy for me to be back up here opening the Word of God for you this morning. And uh, I just want to share with you that God continues to just amaze me with the relevance of his word in, in my life and, and in your life. As I talk to many of you, even, even this week, I've talked to, to some folks in our church on the phone and face-to-face, and, and they've just shared with me some of what's going on in their lives, and, and I've been able to tell them, hey, hey, I'm studying Numbers chapter 11 right now. Let me share some truth with you where God can encourage you from his word. Even the music I've been listening to. I've, I was listening to some hymns yesterday in the van as I was driving, and, and one of the hymns I was listening to is 300, I looked it up, 350 years old, and yet the words in that hymn, because they are thoroughly biblical, as I listen to them and, and I listen to a specific line that was sung, I just think, wow, God, that perfectly fits with the passage I've been studying this week, and I just praise God for that. I hope you, too, you do too. And uh, the, the truth that we're going to look at this morning is the truth of waiting, learning to think biblically about waiting. That's what God has uh, for us this morning. And, and I just want to begin by asking just this simple question Does anyone not feel like sometimes life doesn't go as planned? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> Right? Life is sometimes hard. It sometimes takes a different course than what we expected. Right? The, the way things are are not often the way we would have drawn them up to be if it was up to us. And so we are faced with looking forward to a better future. Looking forward to a better future. And what I want to put before us this morning is that God cares deeply how we wait. God cares deeply that we wait well, that we look forward in the way that he calls us to. Uh, we look no further than uh, the Psalms to see much of this attitude of, of the men of God who, who have prayed before us. In Psalm 27, the psalmist says, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. But it's hard to wait, isn't it? Often it's hard to wait, especially in the culture that we live in, the culture of now. I want what I want now. I want it my way. I want my plans to be established now. And life often doesn't go as planned. And because of this, we have choices to make. We have choices to make. And, and this morning we're going to look at a text of Scripture and we're going to see some people who found themselves in some undesirable circumstances. And they made some choices before the Lord that simply were not honoring to Him. See, life wasn't going the way they thought it should go. Their plans had gotten all messed up and, and they were faced with how they were going to respond before the Lord. And, and in this, the Lord gives us an example of what not to do. Choices not to make. How not to wait for the Lord. God is so gracious to us to give us his word. And in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul, writing of these very people in the book of Numbers, says that these things happened to them as an example 
and they were written down for our instruction. So we do well to, to look to the Word of God for our instructions. We're going to go deep into the wells of Old Testament history this morning and see this people and, and how they responded when, when life didn't go their way, when their plans weren't established. So we're going to look at, at Numbers chapter 11 and just a little bit of context to bring us there. God had chosen a people for himself. The Israelites and, and the Israelites had, had found themselves in Egypt for 400 years, started off really well, ended really badly uh, in, in terms of their time in Egypt, but God sent a deliverer for them, didn't he? God sent Moses and he said, go get my people, bring them out, bring them into the promised land. And so that's what he did. And, and God took his people out of Egypt. He brought them to Mount Sinai. He gave them his law. He instructed Moses in how to instruct the people and things were going relatively well for them. And God said, build me a tabernacle and my glory will come and dwell with you, my people. And when I go, when the cloud of my glory departs, you go. And wherever I am, that's where I want you to be. And, and we, we come in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1 to this point where God's glory had first moved from the tabernacle and, and the Israelites had picked it up and they had gone to where the cloud of the Lord was. They went a three days journey and now look with me at Numbers chapter 11 as we pick up the story here. It says, The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlaying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Taberah because the fire of the Lord burned among them. The people were not happy with their circumstances and they grumbled and complained. And, and what I want to show us uh, this morning is, is when life isn't going as I'd planned first, we need to choose gratitude, not grumbling. I need to choose gratitude, not grumbling. The, the people complained about their circumstances, their misfortunes. And in verse 4 it says that the rabble that was among them had a, a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. See, the people of Israel here show us that, that their attitude was before the Lord. I, I didn't think it was supposed to be like this. I, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. I, I thought that we had a different plan. I thought we were going to the promised land. And, and here we are, still just eating this boring old plain manna. God, what is going on? And they had a choice to make. They, they were going to choose whether to, to um, be thankful for what the Lord had provided for them. Or they were going to choose grumbling. And we, we see that they made the poor choice. Life doesn't always go as planned, does it? Grumbling is one of those sins that can be what we call maybe a respectable sin in our hearts where, where we think it, it's, it's, it's okay, it's not as bad as, as the others, right? And, and, and we can just kind of be dissatisfied with the way that things are going and so it's okay to just murmur a little bit and God says, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. See, the Israelites, they should have been thankful. God provided this, this manna for them Back in Exodus chapter 16 is the first time that we see this manna. They, they, the Israelites had come out of the land. They, they had 
provisions with them when they came, but, but now they're, they're wandering in the desert and, and they don't have uh, the food that they once had in, in Egypt. And, and the Lord, we're going to put up on the screen here, uh, he says to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. See, God, this was a gracious provision for them. They didn't have any food, and God says to Moses, okay, every morning when you wake up, there's going to be food there for you. How's that? And God said, I'm, I'm doing this, and, and part of this is, is a test for you, and, and now we see in Numbers chapter 11, they're just failing this test miserably. They're failing this test. They're, they're choosing to grumble when they should have been thankful. They should have been thankful to God for saving them out of slavery in Egypt. This far too common sin. It, this could be us. I, I don't want to look at, at this account of Israel and be like, wow, look at them. Like, how dare they? This, this shows us what the human heart is capable of and we need to beware in our own heart that we make the good choice. And respond well to God when things aren't going the way we thought that they were going to go. I remember a story I read many years ago of a man who held a high position of of public office. And so by the nature of his work, he met many people day after day. And and people would come up to him and talk to him as though he should remember who they were. And he he just had a hard time putting the face to the name or or recalling just the circumstance of this person's life. And and so he came up with a, a system based on uh, the human heart that, that helped him to have those people uh, betray who they were to him, he would say, tell me, how, how's the old complaint? And then they would just rhyme off the things that, that were bothering them in life. That can be me. Mumbling and, and grumbling and, and weeping aloud because I'm not happy with where God has me. And God put this in our Bible so that we could go back and read and learn and be instructed on how to choose the right way, the way of gratitude. Some of you, today needs to be a day of repentance. Some of you need to examine your own hearts and see if there's a wayward way in you where grumbling is maybe more of a pattern in your life than you thought. Maybe you need to ask somebody else in your life to expose your own heart. Is this, is this me? Do I do this? And you need to get on your knees before the Lord and, and ask him for his forgiveness and his help by his spirit to choose instead thanksgiving. I mean, there, there's lists some of us keep of, of things that we're not happy about in life. We need, to, we need to bury that list. And we need to come before the Lord instead with a list of thanksgiving. And listen, right at the top of that list is we need to be thankful for his forgiveness. When we think about Uh, life not going the way we hoped it would go, we need to bring our minds back to the forgiveness offered to us at the cross of Jesus Christ. And we need to to declare to the Lord, I'm thankful for your deliverance. I'm thankful that you saved me from where I once was and brought me to to have a hope in eternal life in Christ Jesus. That hymn I was telling you about earlier, it's called My Song is Love Unknown. It's one of my favorite songs. I, I didn't uh, know it for many years and then I heard it and I've just uh, been listening to it ever since. And, and the final uh, verse goes like this. It says, Here might I stay and sing. No story so divine. Never was love, dear King. <clears throat> Never was grief like thine. See, when we think about the grief 
of Jesus Christ on the cross, it helps us to put our griefs in perspective. It helps us to think about the trials that we're going through in life in a different way when we think that, that no grief could ever measure against Jesus coming and, and dying on a cross, taking the full weight of the cup of God's wrath upon himself for us. You know, we, we're looking at manna this morning. We need to remember that Jesus Christ is the true bread from heaven. Jesus talked about the, the manna in, in John chapter 6, and he says these words. He says, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. <clears throat> As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. We have much to be thankful for. Amen? Grumbling is not a good choice. And we're called this morning to take grumbling seriously. To consider the offense that that complaining is before the Lord. And I want to do this by just pointing out to you four reasons from Numbers 11 why you and I shouldn't grumble. Four reasons from Numbers 11 why you and I shouldn't grumble. And these are rooted and grounded in chapter 11, verse 18. Let's, uh, let's read that together. This is God's response to Israel's grumbling earlier in the chapter. He says to Moses, And say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. We see first that grumbling reaches God. Grumbling reaches God. God says it was in the hearing of the Lord that they did this. And what's interesting, you know, as we looked at uh, verses 1 through 6, nowhere does it say that the Israelites turned to God and decided, hey God, uh, listen, we're not happy here. You know, the picture is more painted like they were just grumbling, like a murmur was over the camp. And God reminds them and, and, and he reminds us here that nothing escapes his notice. God hears everything. And when we weep and complain, we're weeping and complaining in, in his ears. And whether it's aloud in our hearts or whether it's aloud with our mouths, God hears our grumbling. It reaches his ears. Even when we didn't think he could hear it. Do, do, do you ever... Um, have this happen to you where you've said something that you didn't expect somebody else to hear and, and you said, oh, I, I didn't think they could hear me. I, and, and the attitude behind that is, I, I wouldn't have said it if I knew they were listening. And, and I think sometimes you and I might treat grumbling in the same way. Well, I didn't know God was listening. But friends, God is always listening. God hears our hearts at all times. And so no grumbling escapes his notice, we see. It is in the hearing of the Lord that grumbling happens. Uh, next, uh, I want you to see this. Grumbling angers God. Grumbling angers God. We saw in verse 1 that fire burned. The fire of the Lord burned and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. If you drop down to verse 10, it says that Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. 
And we just want to consider this. Why would we ever want to do anything that we know from reading Scripture angers God? This is not a good choice. It's not a good choice. Next, um, what do we learn from Numbers 11 about why we shouldn't grumble? Grumbling moves God. So he's angry about grumbling and there's consequences to that anger. God says he's, he's going to respond to their grumbling in, in a way that um, is not going to be pleasurable, maybe to say it in the least way there. God is going to provide what they've been grumbling about. You ever find that, that sometimes the very thing that you are grumbling about before God, he gives to you just to show you that what you really want isn't what you actually need and you need to change what you really want to line up with him? And so God says, okay, you want meat? I'm going to give you meat. And I'm going to give you so much meat that it becomes detestable to you. Let's continue reading verse 19. You shall not eat just one day or two days or five days or ten days or twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. He says you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it as much as I hate grumbling and, and maybe that will teach you a thing or two. Grumbling moves God because grumbling is at its very core an exhibition of pride. Grumbling says, I know better. Right? Grumbling says, there's a better way here. And, and God, I know that your, your word teaches that you reign and rule providentially over the, all the affairs of men. You stir the waters of men's hearts. You accomplish your purposes through your means. You order every day of life here on this earth. And you know what? I don't like how you're doing it right now. So I'm going to complain about it. Like, what pride? What pride is there? And so God says, I oppose the proud. I oppose the proud. And there's consequences for your grumbling. Fourthly, fourth reason we shouldn't grumble is this. Grumbling questions God. Grumbling questions God. Complaining isn't merely complaining. It's, it's saying to God, do you really care? Do you really know what you're doing? Are you really able to do something here? To do what you promised that you would do? It says, I don't actually believe that God is who he says he is or that God will do what he says he will do. It's never okay to question God. It's never okay to be angry with God. You know, some people think, well, just have it out with God a little bit if you're not happy. And and. You know, brothers and sisters, there, there's nothing further from the truth of God's word. And he says, don't grumble before me. Rather, you need to give me thanks. You need to give me thanks. Don't question me. Don't question me. And that, that leads us here in our text to the next declaration we need to make. When, when life isn't going as, as I'd planned, I need, to, I need to commit to this. I will choose trust, not doubt. I will choose trust, and not doubt. See, when we grumble and complain instead of waiting, this is an affront to God because it displays a deep lack of trust in him. Look again at verse 18, about halfway down, and we see how God summarizes, even almost quotes, what the Israelites said. They said, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. What is that? That's outrageous. Better for us in Egypt? Seriously? They're the ones who called out to God to save them from Egypt because they were so viciously oppressed 
they were, they were making them work day and night, cha- changing the rules on them as they went. And, and, and they say, well, we, we like the food better. And they say the food that cost us nothing. Like, like how irrational is this sin of grumbling that we see here in this text this morning? You know, if, 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 if we're going to grumble and complain, we might as well declare, I, I don't believe God is really actually as kind as he says he is. God, God isn't good. I don't believe God is really able to do anything about my circumstances. He's, he's not powerful. I, I don't believe that God knows what's best because if God only knew what was best, he'd be doing something different. God is not wise. We need, we need to consider that, again, the negative example that we see here as, as the Israelites grumble and complain before the Lord and, and we need to be admonished not to, to behave and to respond in the same way. Who, who will give us meat to eat? As, as if anyone else cares more about his children than God the Father? Listen, listen, friends, you need not trust his goodness. You need not trust his goodness. Whatever season of life you're in, even if the, the plans that you had are, are going in a, di- a different course, you need to remain steadfast in your declaration that God is good. God is good. You need not trust his goodness. In uh, chapter 10, I love this. I was, I was of course, uh, reading up, up to chapter 11 this week, and, and this just struck me in chapter 10 where uh, it says that Moses went to his brother-in-law. Look at verse 29. Moses went to his brother-in-law, uh, and he said to Hobab, the son of Raul, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord says, I will give it to you. Come with us. We will do good to you, for the Lord has promised what? Good to Israel. But he said to him, I I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my kindred. And, And Moses said, please do not leave us. For you know where we should camp in the wilderness and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you do go with us, whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. See, Moses was steadfast in his commitment to trust in the goodness of the Lord. Right? And, and, and this grumbling, complaining and saying, who will give us meat to eat? That just flies in his face and, and says, God, you're not good enough. If, if you really loved us, if you really cared about us the way that you say you do, you'd be giving us meat and not just this manna. We, we cannot doubt his goodness, even when plans are going a different way than we thought. Furthermore, uh, listen friends, you need not doubt his power. You need not doubt his power. As if maybe God's good enough, he, he just can't actually do it. He, he just can't do the right thing. And God says to the Israelites, in effect, you, you think you're here today in the wilderness eating manna because I can't do otherwise? Like really, is, is that what you think? That, that my power is, is limited? God says here to Moses, so I, I just want to set before you this, listen, we are all capable of doubting God's power. Every single one of us. Even, even Moses, we're about to see here. I want to read a little further in the text and, and show you how Moses responds to what the Lord says. The Lord says, okay, I'm going to give you meat for a month. And Moses says, verse 21, 
Uh, but God, uh, the, the, the people among whom I am number 600,000 on foot, and you have said I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them and be enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Is my hand shortened, the Lord says? That's a, a Hebrew idiom for, for saying, can I not do it? Is my power somehow restricted? And after this little rebuke from the Lord, Moses gets it. Look at verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. Conversation over. Rhetorical question doesn't need to be answered. Okay, God, I get it. Right, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. Some of you know that. And so uh, we're in the book of Numbers. Census has been taken in the earlier chapters. Moses numbered the people and there were 603,550 men in the camp besides women and children and the Levites. So listen, that means there's over 2 million people here. 2 million Israelites in the camp ready to march toward the promised land. And God says, I'm going to give you enough meat to eat for a month. And it's going to be so much meat that you're going to choke on it while it's still in your mouth. And Moses says, um, okay, so 600 million men, 180 million portions, 30 days, chickens, four portions. Okay, 45 million chickens. Um, I don't see any meat. Where's this meat going to come from? And God, God says, Moses... Remember who you're talking to. I have the power to do what I say I'm going to do. And, and lest we think it was the Israelites, and, or maybe it was just Moses, I, I want to bring another example to your mind. Think, think of the disciples of Jesus on that hill with him. On that day when the evening was, was drawing, and, and, and the disciples said to Jesus, there's, there's such a great crowd here, send them away that they might eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. And, and they said, well, how are we going to do that? Jesus says, well, what do you got? And they said, uh, five loaves and two fish. He says, okay, I can work with that. And he feeds 5,000 men plus women and children and, and there was enough left over and, and the disciples would have seen Jesus provide miraculously. And, and then, do you remember just a short time after that, same circumstances. Crowd of people following Jesus. They've been there for hours. They're getting hungry. The disciples turn to Jesus. Where are we going to get food? Jesus says, what do you mean? <laughs> you don't remember? You know what they said? They said, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a, a crowd? This is, this is the who question again, right? And how quickly do we forget God's power? How quickly do we forget to trust in the Lord that, that he can do whatever he wants to do? So if he wanted our lives to look differently, they would. They would. And, and I don't say that in a cavalier way. I don't, I don't say that to minimize the hardships that you're going through. I just want us to be reminded that, that we can never doubt God's power as, as, as if there's something better for us in our lives and God just isn't able to do it. May, may that never be 
our hearts. You know, the greatest way we can remember God's power is, is just by that, by remembering his acts of great power in the past. And we have the whole Old Testament to bear witness to God's power. And, and not only that, we have the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. We have the power of his perfect life, his perfect death, and we have the power of his resurrection. God raised him from the grave. And he says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in us who believe. God's power is not limited. God's power is not limited. And that's, that's not to say that, that if we just believe hard enough that God can do what it is we think he should do, that he's going to do that every time. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we can't handcuff ourselves by thinking that the reason why it's not happening is because God is somehow not able to do it. It's not that he's not good enough. not that he's not powerful enough. Like, that's a great conundrum, right, from unbelievers? How can you say that your God is all good and all powerful? How, how could that be? If, if God was all good and all powerful, surely my life would look differently. Maybe, maybe your God's all good, but he's not all powerful. Because if, if, if he's all powerful, then he would be able to do all the good things he wants to do. Or, or maybe he's all powerful, but maybe your God's not all that good. Maybe he's doing everything he wants to do because there is not all that good in him that you think there is. And, and we, know, we know that that's simply not the case. There's a missing element there, isn't there? If God's good and God's all, all powerful, then that means that everything he does is perfectly wise, right? So listen, you need not doubt God's wisdom. You need not doubt God's wisdom. The Israelites, instead of grumbling and saying, who will give us meat to eat? They, they should have said, Lord, if this is your plan, if you want us to wait until we go into the promised land just a little bit longer, if you want us to continue eating the manna, then we will. And in, instead they say, we want to go back. I know what's best. This is taking too long. Forget it. Forget your plans, Lord. Our plans, let's just go back to, to Egypt where everything was, was good and, and free and we ate to the full of all these delicious foods. Like, they're just being so irrational here. And they're not stopping to consider that they're questioning God's wisdom, God's, God's way of getting them to where they want to be and where he, where he said he was going to bring them is the perfect way. And they needed to accept that and we need to accept that. God is good no matter what. And if he wanted our lives to be different, they would be different because he knows what is best. The very thing that we complain about, in an instant, he could change a million different things in our lives. He could do it. And so if he doesn't, then we need to declare, God, I'm going to trust your wisdom in this, not mine. I told you I was on the phone with someone from our church this week and I was speaking with her and she's going through a lot right now, so much so she can't even be with us this morning. And I said to her, um, listen, I've I'm, I'm been doing a lot of reading and I've, I've got this um, message that I'm going to bring to the church on Sunday. Let me tell you a little bit about it. And, and I just want to encourage you. And, and I encouraged her from it. And, and I encouraged her in such a way as to also say, because listen, this, this, this person's going through more than, than I can, uh, can know about personally. And, and I said, um, I want to first commend you. I said, I don't hear you grumbling. I said, you know your own heart. Maybe you're grumbling in your heart. I don't know that. But, but as I see you going through these trials, as I see the, the course of your life, I, I'm, just, I'm encouraged. 
by the way, you're responding to God in this. And I said, let me just encourage you to keep it up. Keep on going. Keep on trusting the Lord. Keep on giving him thanks. Uh, Look back to his salvation and look forward to the eternal hope you have in Jesus Christ. And and you know what she said to me? She she just said, how could I not? How could I not? He's done so much for me. And if this is what he has for me, then, then this is what he has for me and this must be the best way. And, and oh, I just want to, I called to encourage her and I was the one who got the encouragement. And I just, that is how we need to think. That is how we need to choose to respond when life isn't going the way we planned. We need to trust him and not doubt. This isn't the way I would have planned it. Why is it like this, God? And God says, I have a better question for you. How will you respond? This, this doesn't seem good to me. And God says, will you trust me? Will you trust me anyways? Will you trust me that I know what's best? See, it's all about him, isn't it? And sometimes we take our eyes off of the Lord and, and we, we focus on ourselves. And we look at, at me, and, and that's the, the third point this morning in your notes. When life isn't going as I've planned, I will choose him, not me. I'll choose him, not me. The Israelites are looking back to Egypt and they're saying, why, why did we ever leave? They, sh- they should have said, come what may, the Lord God Almighty is our God. If he wants us in this wilderness, then we'll be in this wilderness. If he wants us to eat manna, we'll eat manna. Whatever he says, we will do. Wherever he goes, we will go and we'll give thanks to him and we'll trust in him because he alone knows what is best. That should have been their heart. But they took their eyes off the Lord and they focused on themselves. And I just want us to look at verse 20 this morning and allow God's assessment of this horrendous day to sit heavy with us. Look at verse 20. After God says how long the meat's going to be there, about halfway through the verse, he says, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? Just let the weight of that sit with you. You've rejected the Lord who is among you. Life's not going the way they'd hoped. So they grumble and they complain and God says, I'm, I'm right here. You've turned your back on me. God said, I, I came to dwell among you. I came to make my presence manifest among you. And you want to go back. This is so sad. This is so sad. They want what they want and they want it now and instead they're going to lose so much. Listen, friends, we, we, we need to know that when we choose grumbling, we're choosing me. And in so doing, we're rejecting God. And when we reject God, we reject his presence. We, we reject his sweet fellowship. We, we reject the communion that he wants to have with us. We reject his perfect peace. We reject his abiding joy and his everlasting hope. We reject the assurance that he gives to us. The cost is too high. The cost is too high. 
for the Christian, saying that I, I wish I was back in Egypt is in effect saying, I don't want the cross. I, I want to go back. I, I want to go back to the way things were before I knew Jesus Christ. The promise is taking too long. God is too slow. I, I can't wait any longer. I'm going back. This is what following Jesus looks like. I've got a better plan. May it never be. May this never be. Beloved, God has promised a land for us as well. He's promised a better future and a hope. And He wants us to wait. He wants us to not grow tired as the Israelites did and grumble before Him. He wants us to surrender to his plans instead of our plans. He, he wants us to get down on our faces and, and say, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. See, God said to the Israelites, I'm, I'm bringing you somewhere. Will you, will you follow me? And God says to you and, and to me, he says, I'm bringing you somewhere. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? Even if it's not the route that you would have planned. Often life doesn't go the way that we would plan. But we have a choice. We have a choice. Will, will we follow with gratitude and trust because we want Him? Or will we take our eyes off the Lord and focus on me? I love God's assessment of Abraham's life. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. God is telling through the Apostle Paul of, of the faith of Abraham as an example for us. And in verse 20, he, he sums up Abraham's life and faith. He says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. <coughs> Friends, let, let that be us this morning. That's, that is who I want to be. I want to trust that in Jesus Christ, the Lord has provided a Savior for me who has died for my sins, who's been raised from the grave, and who has gone on before me. And I want to surrender to the call of God to wait patiently for His coming, even when the life is hard. I want to commend you to this this morning. I want to put before you this negative example of the Israelites in the wilderness. And I want to declare to you, when life isn't going planned, choose gratitude, not grumbling. Choose trust, not doubt. And choose Him, not you. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we are encouraged and at the same time admonished by your word this morning. So often we confess that our hearts can be prone to wander from you. God, help us to fix our eyes on everything that you say you are. Help us to follow you, Lord, no matter what the road looks like. And when we're on the road, Lord, would you help us to fix our eyes on the truth of your word, to, to be steadfast in our commitment to choose you, Lord, not our own desires.
God, may we be a surrendered people. I, I, I pray for those in this room this morning. God, those who are in the midst of, of a path that they would not have chosen. God, would you give them strength to follow you? Would you give them help to not grumble and complain, but to give you thanks, Lord, for all you've done for them? God, for those who have a trial yet to come, who, whose path ahead is going to go off course from the way that maybe they've thought it was going to go, Lord, would you take the truth of your word this morning, plant it deep in them, that they would be ready to respond in a manner that is pleasing in your sight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.